Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome back. 602-508-0960. Coming to you live from the Guns Etc. studios. It is a delight to bring back to these airwaves someone I have had the pleasure of getting to know better and better and better over the last several months. She co-hosts her own show on this station with her colleague, Brandy. She's So Right is the name of the show. It's on Sundays at 3 p.m. here on 960. But she's also the author of a book you may not have known about, Targeted. One Mom's Fight for Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness. It's not the senior senator from South Carolina. It's Phoenix's own Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham, the author of Targeted, One Mom's Fight for Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness. And I wanted to bring her on today on this book that came out just so recently because I was talking a little bit about COVID in my opening segment and monologue today and thinking about all we have been through since, so oh, I don't know, roughly March of 2020 through now, and how a lot of it just seems to be swept under the rug. Uh, Lindsey Graham, welcome back to my show. Welcome back to your station. How are you? Congratulations on the book. Thank you so much. What a very warm welcome, Seth. I always, I always love talking to you. You bet. I love your story, and I love what you have done with your story. Um Talk about it. Tell us about it. Tell us your autobiography in sketch, in brief sketch here, uh, what you detail in the book, starting with what happened in 2020. Well, in 2020, in March, as we all remember or are trying to forget, uh, the government decided that uh, they shut down all small businesses. Um, Oregon specifically had a stay home, stay safe program. And my husband and I owned six businesses in Oregon that we'd worked our entire life for. And we were forced to shut those down by mandate. And at the six-week mark, after it was two weeks to flatten the curve and another two, another two, we were watching our savings dwindle. Um, our, our, we, were, we were probably destined for bankruptcy at the rate in which the governor decided to continue to keep us shut down and we were still having to pay our rents and pay our bills. And so at six weeks, I said, I don't know why we're sitting around letting this happen. I need to earn a living. We need to earn a living. And so I reopened my 25 chair salon. And at the time, I didn't think it would be that big a deal, but I was one of the first in America. So it was a very, very big deal. And the media caught wind. And as soon as my story started inspiring others to stand up and defy and support me, my governor went after me with every single state agency she had. And I, in a period of less than 10 days, I was told I would be evicted from my building. I would have my hair license revoked. I would have my business license revoked. I would be issued $50,000 a day fines. Um, Oregon OSHA said that they were going to fine me $70,000 for opening and then lock my doors for being an unsafe facility. Um, I was threatened with arrest and a class C misdemeanor. And then finally, the 
straw that broke the camel's back was uh, the governor sent CPS to my home, which is Child Protective Services, and they threatened to take my kids away. Um, and this was less than two days after reopening my business. So Threatened to take um, your kids away because you wanted to keep your businesses open and your employees working. Yes. Targeting the kids. Okay. Yeah, it, it was basically that, you know, those threats that I just listed, all of them, I, I still did not comply. I yep. said, I, I don't believe you have the authority. I challenge your authority and I'm not listening. And I stayed open. And in a press conference, I said, I have a right to work and provide for my kids and provide for my family. Yep. And it was the very next day that Child Protective Services showed up. And it was, in my opinion, and now in my experience, it was an intimidation um, tactic to try to get me to comply and show everyone that everyone has a breaking point. And at some point, I would shut down and I would sure. obey. And I still did not. I still remained open after that. Strong woman. When did they give you the appellation Patriot Barbie? When did that nickname come out? Right around this <laughs> period? Um, this was a few months later. So, of course, I was immediately attacked by cancel culture. Right. I was a murderer. Um, I cared more about money than I did about saving lives. And it was actually when I protected my business against BLM riots that um, the left, uh, some leftist that was following me made a meme out of my face and said, I don't always play Patriot Barbie, but when I do, I steal people's money and I kill them out. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. Uh, yeah. So this is about two, two and a half months into cancel culture. So I had experienced pretty much nonstop threats, nonstop hate, name-calling slander in the news and on social media. And I had just had it. And I realized, you know, what you guys say doesn't really matter. It's not actually who I am. And so at that point, I said, you know what? Patriot Barbie is actually quite the compliment. And so I changed all of my social media and started calling myself the Patriot Barbie. Good. Mostly just to annoy Good. the cancel culture. And, it, it, you know, everyone ran with it. My followers said, started calling me the Patriot Barbie and said, you are. That's who you are. <laughs> We're talking to Lindsey Graham. She's the author of Targeted, One Mom's Fight for Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness. You can get it on Amazon or anywhere you buy your books. She co-hosts uh, with her colleague, Brandy Barclay, the She's So Right show, heard Sundays here at 3. Uh, it's interesting when you step back and think about it, Lindsey, a little bit, isn't it, that they thought the word patriot was a criticism, a condemnation, a pejorative. That That is kind of how the left, I guess, views this country or views people who like this country or think this is a good country. But I wonder what that, how that thought, how that thought um, came to you uh, when, when, when you started realizing, wait, patriot is supposed to be a bad thing? That's what they wanted right. us to believe. Yeah. And, and patriot Barbie, nonetheless. Yeah. And so I actually, I went and I defined those two words on my social media. Right. And of course it was for the love of one's country. And I said, okay, yeah. And Barbie was, oh, a feminist figure that's idolized for her attractiveness. And I was like, okay, all right. I, yeah, when I'm did beauty become a bad thing all of a sudden? Yeah, thank you. And, and actually, Seth, it is. Um, you'd be surprised what they attacked me for. And I, I, I'm actually honored. They make fun of the fact that I, I do take care of myself. I wear makeup and I get Botox and a little bit of filler here and there. And that's, you know, that's, that's who I am. That's who I've always been. But they can't, attack, uh, they can't attack my intelligence. They can't attack the way that I speak. They can't attack my education or the fact that I'm a very successful business owner or the fact that I did in, indeed stand up for myself and my family, took on the state of Oregon alone, 
And as far as I'm concerned, I won. And so it's like, of all the things you're attacking me for, it's, it's my look. How shallow. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, there's an order here of their hatred. I couldn't tell you you might know but it's beauty brains and success i mean that's that's what they that's what the left hates anything beautiful they hate i love it well they they very much hate me that's not to say that i think i'm beautiful but they they hate me and they hate me a lot for my looks which i think is absolutely hilarious because i have no intention of bowing to the cancel culture and whatsoever. your whole business was to help other people look better too by the way exactly. Let, let, yes, exactly. let's let's not put too fine a point on ignoring that People came yes, to you because exactly. they wanted what you had, so to speak. Imagine, imagine what the cancel culture would do had I been, you know, had I not worn makeup, didn't do my hair, had, you know, gray roots showing, was was unhealthy, overweight, dressed. Frumpy. Oh, they'd try and recruit so you. They wouldn't try and condemn you. Oh, exactly. Yep. And yet owning a salon. Yeah. I'd be unsuccessful in one area. Successful. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay, Todd, you, you mentioned, you know, your background, you know, parents... Listen to this show. Grandparents listen to this show. We get into from time to time how to raise a conservative child. How, what were you given? What did you have? What was given to you? What was in your mind and in your soul and in your upbringing or in your raising that you could, you know, in the midst of a crisis, which had everyone in almost everyone in panic, but for maybe 10 percent of us, I'd like to think you and I were in that 10 percent, had almost everyone running around in panic. But you kept your head about you and you stood up to the state, which is not an easy thing to do. What 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 gave you all that? You know, I have to I have to give credit where it's due. And 100 percent, it is the glory of God, because in that moment, I don't know how I can sit here and tell you this story and believe that I am the person that did those things. I believe with all my heart now looking back that the Holy Spirit was using me to fight for what is right and for what I believed in. And I wasn't even aware of it at the time because to me, I just credited myself for being stubborn and hardheaded and a little bit bullheaded and strong. Yes. But I believe that God was preparing me my whole life to be this person that could defy, you know, organ mandates uh, boldly and unapologetically and, and handle cancel culture and do it all with some sort of, some sort of level head and and critical thinking. And let, let me pause you right there. Let me pause you right there because we're going to take a break. You can stay a little bit, I hope. Yes, I can. We're talking with Lindsey Graham now in Arizona. We'll talk about that as well. Her book, Targeted, One Mom's Fight for Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness. I want to ask you on the other side of this break, if you had ever done anything political before or what your political education was up until then, whether it was through volunteer work or reading or just messages you got from your parents or what have you. I'm Seth Liebson. She's Lindsey Graham. We'll be right back. Little Johnny Cash for you there. Let me give you another great and strong voice. It's the voice of Lindsey Graham. You hear her every Sunday at 3 p.m. here on 960. Her book, Targeted, One Mom's Fight for Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness. You stood up to the state of Oregon Lindsey Graham, uh, to keep uh, your businesses open and your employees employed. And, um, you know, a few of us saw, uh, you know, your press conference. We saw other press. They really they really went after the beauty parlors. That was a big one, wasn't it? There was that one woman. It was in Texas who said, I'm sorry, um, your mandates do not feed my children and I'm not going to bow to your mandates so that my children can go hungry. You had mentioned you had the inspiration, of course, 
uh, from uh, from 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 the, from from God and and from your religious beliefs. I'm curious to know too if you had ever you know had political inclinations uh, prior to 2020 as well, or if it was exclusively just kind of made of the moment. It was very made of the moment. I had been very so. I was raised in church. I was raised a believer, and I was raised a conservative, and I was raised a Republican. And all of those things were part of who I was, but did not play a big role. And um, truth be told, I was one of those people that probably didn't pay enough attention to politics and didn't pay enough attention to who I was voting for. And politics were something I was actively non-active in. In fact, just recently, I went back into my Facebook page and looked through some of the things in my notes. And under the section politics, I actually had written, I don't do politics politics they're annoying and i went well we better delete that part yeah right right (laughs) um because yeah i I really in that moment it had nothing to do with the way that i believed politically it had everything to do with i really am going to lose my livelihood i'm going to go bankrupt i'm going to lose everything i worked for if i remain compliant and i no longer was willing to remain compliant and so when i reopened um it turned into a situation where I had the leftist cancel culture, which were primarily Democrats, telling me that I'm a murderer, um, that I care more about money than people's lives, that I'm a killer, that I'm selfish. And I had conservatives, Republicans, calling, emailing, and sending cards saying, you are brave. You're a girl. hero. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for what you're doing. And I went, okay, uh, there's a line drawn right here in the sand. And I was already on one side. But if you're going to do what you're doing to me over on this side, I'm going to severely, severely fight you on my side. Good. And they created a monster. I mean, they created their own nemesis because I was so compliant and accepting and um, complacent in being non-political. And suddenly they brought to my attention the stark difference between how Democrats believe and how Republicans believe. See, this is so important. This is so important, folks. This is why I say you may not care about political philosophy, but it cares about you. You may not care about politics, but it cares about you. Here's a woman who is doing nothing but keeping her businesses open and going to church, and all of a sudden the left comes crashing in on her and crashing down on her. Thank God you had the strength to fight back, Lindsay. Uh, ultimately, you decided to move to Arizona. Tell, tell us about that. Yes. So I've, I'm still fighting the state of Oregon. They, uh, they did issue me a $14,000 OSHA citation, which I refused to pay. I spent 20000 fighting that citation before I finally said, you know what, I'm not going to pay you. But I'm also not going to pay an attorney anymore. I'm done. I'm not even going to have the conversation. Mm-hmm. I don't owe that money. And I just was sent to collections for $70,000 from the city of Salem, Oregon, um, looking to make me pay back all of the months that I was shut down. And I'm fighting them, which wasn't even nearly as hard as fighting the cancel culture. I bet. So I ultimately moved to Arizona because my family started getting death threats at our home. I was finding myself afraid to go out in the community that I was originally respected in um, and now was widely recognized in as being, you know, I'm serious, that's a white supremacist, yep. a racist, yep. a murderer, yep. all the things. Um, and so I looked at my husband and I said, I don't know how we can survive here. We could struggle and keep our businesses open, maybe against all of this, 
but I don't know if I ever feel safe here. Mm. So we, we root, uprooted our family. We sold our beautiful home that we had just built, um, closed some businesses, and moved to Arizona about a year and a half ago. And it has been the choice of a lifetime. It has been completely anointed by God that we are supposed to be here in Arizona on the path that I'm on, speaking up for these things and speaking out about what's right um, boldly. And now I'm so thankful that I was canceled because uh, we don't own any businesses here that can get canceled. And it's basically a free pass for me to be able to do what I'm doing unapologetically and without any fear um, of condemnation uh, moving forward. So it's, it's a beautiful story. Lindsey Graham is our guest. Her book is Targeted, One Mom's Fight for Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness. One of the things I wanted to ask you about, uh, Lindsey, if I could, is, you know, this notion that uh, really politics found you. You didn't go out looking for it. You were just trying to kind of mind your business and keep your peeps employed and uh, be a good member of the community. It is the story of people that get involved in conservative politics very often that they get involved on one issue or one issue grabs their attention and then they find that, um, you know, there's more to it than just that one issue. There's an entire, if not worldview, the entire set of issues that start motivating people to actually get more and more involved. After the COVID shutdown resistance, what were some of the other issues that uh, that started to spark your interest and get you involved more politically? Some of the issues that, of course, you and your um, co-host, uh, Brandy Barkley, handle every, every Sunday here. Yes. Well, we are very, very vehemently all things conservative, all things right. Um, but a lot of the issues that started concerning me now that I paid more attention was a lot of the um, transgender movement in young children, mm-hmm. some of the indoctrination about that that's happening in schools. And mind you, this stuff is all being brought to my attention now simply because when I defied lockdowns and became, quote, a political figure, a political icon, people started bringing things to my attention, hoping that I would use my voice to enlighten the rest of the world. And so it went from me just being, you know, a defier of lockdowns to, you know, a CPS advocate, Child Protective Service advocate, um, public school, you know, awareness of what's happening in public schools to children and indoctrination. And a lot of it is very, very alarming. And for that reason, I pulled my children out of public school and put them in a private Christian school because it was almost too much. It's too much for one person to even to, to, to take on and to be educated about because there's so many there's so many overwhelming issues going on right now. Mm-hmm. It is hard to tackle just one. And with lockdowns kind of, for the most part, being over and masking and mandates and all that, it seems like they, they come up with something new every day. But um, I'm trying so hard to stay grounded in the things that I really, truly feel like we need to fight universally. And that is the fight for our children. I got. Let me, let me, let me stop you right there, the fight for our children. That's what probably motivates me more than anything else as well. Can can we talk about that on the way back? What uh, On the other side of this break, what is it you yeah. learned about uh, the left or the culture you're pushing against that, um, that, that most affected your children and that had you decide uh, that led you to decide that the public school system is just no longer, no longer a good place for children. I love that. Uh, I love that the subtitle of your book targeted is one mom's fight 
for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Mom is probably, I'm sure you'd agree, or say yourself, your, your first most important job. Talk to us about and talk to the mothers in this audience what they need to be aware of uh, with their children. Can we do that when we come back? Absolutely. Right You're back. the boss, Okay. <laughs> we'll be right back. Yeah. Already my favorite guest, Lindsey Graham, because she said something no one has said to me all day. You're the boss, Seth. I like that. Did we trap that bill? We're going to have to have Lindsey Graham maybe repeat it. We'll make sure. No, we trap everything here. She is the author of Targeted, One Mom's Fight for Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness. Lindsey, what you learned in the school system with your children, um, what do other moms need to be aware of that they may not otherwise be? Let me let me, let me me preface it this way. Um I am less concerned about the mom who is liberally inclined or left-wing uh, activist. I am more concerned about the mom who really isn't particularly political, as most moms probably aren't because they just aren't. They have other things to worry about. The child comes home with a new curriculum, some kind of anti-racist curriculum, let us say, or some kind of uh, gender equity uh, curriculum, let us say. And the mom may say something like, yeah, I heard something like that about that on CNN. It sounds like a good idea. Glad to see it. That's who worries me the most. What do you what do you advise moms to be on the lookout for? There are there are so many things This this started with mask mandates for kids when parents were allowed to unmask, Mm -hmm. um, indoctrinating the kids, making them feel like they're not equal, uh, that they're dangerous, that they are lesser human beings and they must be masked out because they're, they're, you know, they're infected little things. Mm -hmm. Um, But one thing that's very, very alarming, uh, the reason I pulled my kids from public school was mostly over the mask mandate because my tolerance level is very, 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 very low. Okay. (laughs) But what I found out after the fact was, and a lot of it is coming from Oregon, so we're talking about leftist liberal states, um, that counselors in schools now are able to talk about sexuality, um, gender fluidity, uh, transgenderism with students in the school, very, very young, in junior high, and parents are not, it's not mandatory that parents be informed of the things that are said in those counselors' office. So specifically, a school in Oregon, there was a counselor who had led a child to believe or affirmed to a child, um, I don't recall if it was a he or she, that he or she was um, transgender. And this person, this counselor, coached the child all the way through the year until the child finally told their parents, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a boy anymore. And the parents reacted in a way that most parents should by going after that counselor and targeting her or him because this is predatorial, in my opinion. And in order to combat those legal fees, this teacher, believe this or not, decided to put on a fundraiser and that fundraiser was going to be a drag show. This is on school property. And that drag show was going to be led by no no one other than the child she had coached into transgenderism um, as the leader of this show. Oh. So yeah, this yeah. This this is about encouragement, and this is about planting, planting, and nourishing and nurturing the seeds to be a countercultural movement. This is about yeah. empowering, not understanding. Yes, and whatever a child is feeling inwardly, outwardly, if if it's something that we're talking about that they're feeling sexually, 
at what point did it become okay for any teacher, any grown adult that is not that child's parent or guardian to be discussing sex acts and sexuality with a minor? Exactly right. I was talking on Friday. I mean, there's a, you can find this almost any day of the week. I was talking Friday about the largest high school in southern Arizona, Tucson High. You've seen it, I'm sure, that they're 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 appealing to parents and fellow students to help with their uh, with their with their uh, Tucson High first annual drag show. First annual, so this will be their first one, and they'll replicate it. <clears throat> for the following, obviously, ensuing years, if you can help with marketing, makeup, choreographed dances, we can use your skills, their poster says, and it's well-designed. I mean, these, these folks aren't short on money. Wow. You know, Brandy and I talk a lot about this this specific issue, and the issue, more than anything, because, of course, we are very, very faith-based in everything that we talk about and decide, and that's where our moral compass comes from is the Bible. But, you know, why are kids so eager to identify right. themselves right. based on sexuality, right. not their worth, right. not their brain, right. not nothing other than who I have sex with is, is who I am. And that's just, it's such a minor part of our life. It's ridiculous that people aren't identifying themselves in Christ, which is where they should be identifying themselves, but even anywhere else, I'll settle for anywhere else other than just. Yeah. I don't I, know either. That's so interesting when you think about it. Um, there is, it seems, well, let me keep you one more uh, segment if I can, Lindsay. It, it, it's an odd thing in this world where what I and so much of this culture thinks is sick and what this culture universally thought of as sick, you know, using children as sexual beings this way. And even at much younger ages, so many in society, too many in our schools think is healthy. Such a is there any way to bridge the divide when what we think is sick, they think is healthy? I don't know. We'll pit, we'll talk a little bit more with Lindsey Graham when we come right back. Her book is Targeted. Lindsey Graham, L I N D S E Y Graham. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Uh, our guest is Lindsey Graham. Her book is targeted, One Mom's Fight for Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness. She and her co-host, Brandy Barclay, have the show She's So Right, right here every Sunday at 3 p.m. You don't want to miss it. Um, let me go back to the schools with you for a moment, Lindsay, if I can, uh, especially this this effort of late to uh, encourage young children um, not even young adults. I mean, young children in uh, in 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 their sexual fluidity, if that's the right word for it. Um, you know, you and I were talking about junior high and high school. Uh, there's a whole series of books, uh, children's books, that are aimed at children who are you know in pre-K, in kindergarten, in first grade, and I understand the psychological pull. Uh, that some people might initially say, well, you know, these young kids, you know, they're confused about this and they're confused about that. I forgot who I saw on Twitter say this. I think it was Inez Stepman, but it might have been someone else saying, yeah, of course, every child is confused about sexuality. We used to call it childhood, but we don't steer them into radical choices that will be permanently changing of them for the rest of their life when their brains aren't even yet developed. Lindsay, isn't that what's going on here? We have taken 
normal confusions and the kinds of relationships one hopes happens between parents and young adults or parents and children or at least children and uh, authority figures. We have taken that confusion that is part of the education process, part of the maturation process, part of the home education process, and we have turned it into advocacy and encouragement and normalcy and made it part of a state curriculum. Isn't that what has taken place here? We've taken confusion and turned it into a unidirectional affirmation that what kids are confused about and may temporarily be thinking about in their confusion is actually the right and permanent choice for them to land on for the rest of their lives. Isn't that what we're doing here? I I can't imagine saying it any better. I'm having been a child myself. Right. I remember I remember being curious about my girlfriends and our bodies and sure. the way that they changed and all of those things and I've got a son, and, you know, he loves LOL dolls. They're pink and they're glittery, and he gets so excited. And I think, you know, a lesser parent who thinks that it's completely okay to misdirect their child in a completely life-altering direction would say, well, he must be a girl. Mm. He must have been born into the wrong body, Mm. and he identifies as a girl because he likes girl toys. And that whole mindset is because we are, it's now allowed. We're allowing it to be an option that you scientifically and biologically are not born a male or a female. There is no debate around that, scientifically, religiously, or biologically. And yet, because we say it's an option now that God made a mistake and you're wrong, your body is wrong, your mind is wrong, you came out of the womb completely wrong because you, what, would like the color pink or, you know, little little girl likes a, a boy sport so she must be a boy. We're taking this we're taking what makes each child unique in the sense that, yes, little girls can love baseball, and that doesn't mean that they identify as a boy until a counselor or a misguided parent or someone with wrong intentions says, you know, it might be that you're a boy. Did you ever think about that? Mm-hmm. And now you've put a thought into a, an innocent child's brain that's confusing them even more and saying, well, not only do you not know, but I think that you should decide at the right age of 5, 10, to make a decision that even 20-year-olds don't know how to make, right. aren't mature enough to make. Right. And they're making them under the guidance of people that are supposed to be looking out for them and doing what's best for them. It's disheartening, it's, and it's destroying America, and it's dividing America. There's what a, you do as an adult is a very different conversation than, than a parent telling any child at all it's possible that your gender doesn't actually identify who you are. You know, what you just said is, I think, exactly what this society has forgotten uh, when you use the words adult and child. It it seems to me, there's been a few books written on this, but they don't get nearly as much uh, play and attention as uh, the books on the other side. But there is, it seems to me, this effort to uh, erase, disappear, um, and uh, and 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 blur the distinctions and lines between adults and children. It seems yeah. to me that there's been a long progressive effort, particularly in the use of uh, the education system, to, uh, to 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 change childhood such that it just becomes something very meaningless, where five-year-olds, eight-year-olds. 12-year-olds are on par with 35 and 45-year-olds, making the same choices, having... A- We're getting rid of the garden and even of childhood. That's what I'm trying to say. 
Yes, absolutely. And social media, unfortunately, we're all on it. It's a very hard thing to give up, but it is. It's messing with our children, these filters that they're able to use. Um, you've got grown women who can make videos and use a filter that makes them look like a 14-year-old child, and they're getting millions and millions of views. Well, that's disgusting. Mm-hmm. Who, who, who in the world is so eager to watch, you know, a, an attractive little 12, 14-year-old girl making videos? Um, and that line that's being blurred, it's being blurred in other areas, and this is a very, very hot topic for me, and if you read my book, you'll know why is the abortion, the yep. abortion movement wow. that 14-year-olds now can go and get abortions without their parents, not even permission, but acknowledgement, um, without their parents even knowing they can go, go get a harmful, life-altering medical procedure as a 14-year-old, a minor, and their parents can, can never know anything about it. The same teenager can't even buy a lottery ticket till they're 18, so you can go... You, you can go and remove a, a human from your body medically without your parents knowing, but you can't, you can't buy a dollar scratch it. I mean, how blurred is the line between you're, you're mature enough to do this, but you're not mature enough to do this? Yeah, the idea that society can say, oh, that'll never happen, has to be dispensed with. Because we saw a case in Texas. We're going to see more of it. It can be with gender reassignment surgery, too, and the parent can have no say. We're going to, you know, these notions of, oh, don't worry about that. We'll never go so far. Never say that again. Never say that again, because we're nearly there. Lindsey Graham, you have been generous with your time and your voice and your brain. Her book is targeted, One Mom's Fight for Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness. Keep fighting, Lindsey. Thank you, Seth. And if I may, instead of buying my book on communist Amazon, buy it on patriotbarbie.com. Beautiful. Say it again, (laughs) patriotbarbie.com. PatriotBarbie.com. Thank you, you, Lindsay. Thank you for having me, You betcha. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Parts of this show brought to you by the good folks at Balance of Nature, pure, potent plant power. It's the only, Balance of Nature is the only whole food supplement with no additives, fillers, extracts, synthetics, pesticides, or added sugar. The only thing in their capsules is pure fruit and vegetables, all the good stuff. 100% whole food, gluten-free, non-GMO, no extracts or synthetics, vegan-friendly, third-party tested. I take it every single day, and so too can you. It has kept me well for three years. Look at what Balance of Nature's fruits and veggies can do for you by going to balanceofnature.com. If you choose their fruits and veggies, as I recommend, make sure to use discount code BALANCE. Balanceofnature.com, discount code BALANCE. I was talking with uh, Lindsey Graham about the war on childhood. There is a war on it. And um, there was a quote I used a while ago. I think it's worth bringing back from Heather Hayne, who um, who wrote uh, along with her husband, Brett Weinstein. You know of them if you saw the No Safe Spaces uh, movie from Dennis Prager. She said, she writes, it's a fine needle to thread giving children enough space to make their own decisions and mistakes and protecting them from real danger. Our societal pendulum has swung too far to one side to protecting children against all risk and all harm, such that many who come of age under this paradigm feel that everything is a threat, that they need safe spaces, that words are violence. By comparison, children with exposure to diverse experiences, physical, psychological, and intellectual, learn what is possible and become more expansive. It is imperative that children experience discomfort 
in each of these realms, physical, psychological, and intellectual. Absent that, they end up full-grown, but confused about what harm actually is. They end up children in the bodies of adults. You think about the best teachers you had, folks. Think about the best teachers you had. Bill, think about the best te- Did he push you a little or she push you a little bit to expand your preconceived notions and to challenge the conventional wisdom that moved within you? Of course they did. Of course they did. We're not only blurring the distinctions between adult and child. We're erasing them. And you know what we're doing in the process? We're also blurring the distinctions between what a good educator is and what a good educator isn't, what a good teacher is and what a good teacher isn't, what a good adult is and what a good adult isn't. Using children for our political war games should be shameful, should be shameful. I'm Seth Liebson. Thank you for tuning in and spending a little of your afternoon with us. We take none of it for granted. It means a ton to us. It truly does. And if you were on hold, there are a few people and did get on today. Call us back tomorrow. Let us know. You'll go to the top of the list and we'll promise to get you on. And until then, For all of you, God bless and class dismissed.